Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. And guys, we didn't get to talk about this during our brief pre-show meeting, which lasted all of about 30 seconds. Um, my ears are stopped up because I've been dealing with the allergy stuff. So if I look at you funny, like I don't hear something clearly, I'm not like doing a bit. It's probably because I <laughs> can't hear you. My wife got on to me the other day. She's like, that puppy dog look with the head to the side of the my, my wife got on to me the other day. She's like, are you deaf? I'm like, yes, actually, right now I am. I cannot hear you from one room over. Sorry, so. man. Just getting old. Yeah. I, I think guess it's part, part of that, too. Don't discount that. Fun you guys time. seen this stuff? I think uh, GNC sells them. It's like these candle things you stick in your ear and you light the end of it and it like, draws what? the wax out. Travis is shaking his head yes. He knows what mm. I'm talking about. Yeah. It like draws all the wax and build up what? out of your ears. Oh, Whoa. How does this work? So you described it like, it like it was dangerous, though. Lighting it sounds fire dangerous, doesn't it? near your ears. Travis, you're off mic, but can you give us a synopsis of how this works? Yep. Uh, you li- yeah. You light it. You stick like the candle oh, thing wow. in your ear. You light it. And, yes. And it like, draws, slowly That's draws crazy. out all the... Uh, Wax buildup out of your ears. Where do you find this at? This Apparently, you find device. it at GNC, right, Travis? GNC sells them, health okay. food stores. I'll check it out. Some kind of herbal remedy. I'm always looking for ways to to, to clean my to clean my ears. Actually, Rod B has like the cleanest immune system. Like Rod doesn't get sick. Knock on wood. I don't get that this sick that often, but I do. I'm kind of a freak about cleaning ears and stuff like that. So I will I will give that a try. Actually, I'm inter- I'm interested now. I actually yeah. cleaned my ears this morning. See, there you go. Yes. Boom. There you go. No, I'm a freak about that kind of stuff. Dynamite dropping, man. I'm Appreciate weird about this. that kind of stuff, man. Don't <laughs> about it. All right, we'll we're, uh, we'll talk about ear hygiene. We'll talk herb <laughs> hand. I cleaned my ears this morning here, uh, on this week's edition of the show. Let me. Off season. I cleaned my ears this morning. I was going to talk about the 25th anniversary of WWE Raw coming up on Monday night, but I'll spare everybody the details. Mark Henry retired. Officially, well, didn't he? No, see, it, that's what I, I saw. I saw the Mark article. said he's not retired. Okay. Well, so what he's is it? Ret- he's, uh, I guess, taking a sabbatical right now. He's enjoying the wife and kids, and he's, he's not, he's not retiring. Oh, he's okay. just like taking some time. He's yeah, like Urban so Meyer. He's, he's leaving the leaving the door open. You know? Okay. Well, that's every wrestler needs the door open. Well, yeah, but every time Ric Flair retired, he was back. And Hulk but you know, Hogan, like Terry Funk's retired like seven hundred ninety five times. So Mark doesn't want to do that. Mark just wants to. Kind of come and go. Yeah. So. Well, that's a good if you can get if you can just get a check whenever you want it or need it. That's pretty damn go. good. You know. What I mean? Um. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Let's go ahead and move on with the show. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drive machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man who's in the room with everyone else now, Matt Butler. Matt, how's uh, how's everything going in the fantasy world? Fantasy world's been doing pretty awesome. Uh, and then actually today it looks like uh, Rockets fans get to see James Harden come back, but. 
Daily fantasy, pretty pretty good for basketball season, and the NBA is going to be a good one to finish up with. Is he coming back, or is he just practicing? No, he's coming back 25 minutes ready? tonight. Yeah. yeah. Matt, any thoughts on uh, on Texas basketball real quick? Mo Bamba's a freak. Well, yeah. He's a freak. And other than that, man, the shooting that we've seen, we've seen some amazing shooting from Eric Davis just in, like, February out of nowhere. Had a few players come up, so if Texas can continue to get that outside shooting – I liked how in conference play you have Mobamba actually being pulled outside at times just to give, allow the spacing. And if people remember like the dunk last night, whenever he takes him off the court, though, it actually you can see when he's out around the perimeter how much everything opens up for him. And then you can always, if all else fails, get him down low. Drum had a little yeah. bit of juice to it on Wednesday night. Yeah, got a little rowdy in there. Hell, even the uh, the women's uh, game against UConn, the the center, Erwin Center, has some juice. Yeah, yeah. yes, you know no, I mean? it was more juice than the men's. Juice, I was yeah. when I was watching that, I was like, man, it looked like more people than Kansas. That was yeah, I've never seen that. Show. I'm sure there has been some sh- great showings by the, uh, the the Texas women's uh, fans, do, but that's probably know, the best I've seen you know in a the, long time. The best crowd I've ever been to for a basketball game with Erwin Center because I've been there for concerts and wrestling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The best basketball crowd I've ever been to was, I forget the year, but it was the 4A state champ, boys state championship game. Yates, Houston Yates playing Dallas Kimball. The drum Yates was sold Dallas out, and it was, it was electric. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That can, uh, yeah. Texas, Kansas, 08 was the one I remember that was really top of line. DJ Augustine year. Yeah. There was that game. I was also in the uh, I was also in the drum when uh, Dallas Lincoln rolled through there when Chris Bosh was a senior when Lincoln went forty and zero and won the USA Today national title that year. Nice. So seen some good high school basketball at the drum and some good college basketball last night with Texas getting the win over Texas Tech. A man who's been at the Irwin Center for numerous things because he is a lifetime Longhorn was a two thousand two UT All American, two thousand two semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL, something he shares in common with Johnny Manziel and, in a roundabout way, Art Bryles, hey. by the way. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, he's just down in hell. I got other connections to Art You don't even need to go that route. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, when he got back to, when he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres, where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring in his possession, he would wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 20 one in your program, no more in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And uh, Rod, we're, we're, let's go ahead and start with uh, with Herb Hand. Let's just go ahead and, and, yeah. and roll it out. Uh, as of right now, he is the 10th assistant coach, Herb Hand, the Auburn offensive line coach. It's Herbie Hancock. As the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. When Texas already has an offensive line coach. <laughs> Co-OC and co-O-line coach. Yes. So there's still some stuff that's going to be determined, but Rod, just your initial thoughts on the Herb Hand hire and what it means. Because to me, when I look at Matt, and Matt, you can pull some of these up because I know you have quick access to it. We can look at the raw numbers and the eye test to tell that Texas wasn't very good running the football. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me, but when you get into the analytics and really break it down and start looking at like rushing S&P Plus, rushing success rate, uh, stuff rate, power success rate, Texas was below the national average in just about all those categories, except for stuff rate, which Texas was right at the national average. Bottom line, Herb Hand is coming to Texas for two reasons. One, accelerate the growth of this offensive line, try to get that back on track, and fix this run game because Tom Herman is a spread guy who wants a power run game, and that's what Herb Hand is coming to the 40 acres to do. Yeah, uh, well, I'm I'm, I'm kind of intrigued as to why he wasn't – 
um, the first pick. Like on the initial staff? Well, no, no. Like when we apparently they were bringing bringing in Noel Mazzoni at first. Oh, well, that was just as a as just an first analyst. choice. Well, just as an analyst, as yeah. not the tenth assistant coach. Right. Okay, um, and and I I remember the reports are that Mark Helfrich was going to come in too as 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 what I, would he have been? I think there was some interest there. Helfrich, I think, would have been as a tenth assistant coach. Yeah. Okay, so either way, I like the fact that they got a and either one of those guys would have been a guy with coordinator experience or play calling experience, and I think. Honestly, that may be your number one priority, considering that the Tim Beck experiment right now is m- m- most troubling to Longhorn fans, even more mm-hmm. so than the offensive line issues. Right. And you got to get that done. But as you pointed out several times, and if you just look at the recent history of this program, you're not going to fix that overnight. That just ain't going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right now, you need, a cor- you need a play caller that is so seasoned and experienced and has the knowledge to be able to mask those issues and to at least be able to find some identity given the limitations on that offensive line. That's what Tim Beck really couldn't do last year. Um, and I think a lot of Longhorn fans were upset about that. So what you need is a plan B, number one, a contingency plan behind Tim Beck. Mark Helfrich would have been that. Noah Mazzoni would have been potentially that. And you still get that in Herb Hand coming in because he's a guy that's got play calling experience. So I, that's what I like about it. And he's another mind that you can add to the game planning and add to the valuations of players and how they're going to use those guys and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I, I and, and as you pointed out, he's got a power spread background, whether it be a Rich Rod as a tight ends coach, which I also like. He's a tight ends coach for a long time. Mm-hmm. So one of the most invaluable pieces of the Tom Herman mm-hmm. offense, he calls it a pro spread philosophy, but if you want to combine the pro aspects of that, the pro concepts with the spread ideology, the one position that really fuses the two um, philosophies is the tight end position slash H back position, whatever, how you want to use them. It makes you, um, you know, it, it tends to make you malleable. It makes you a true multiple offense from down to down within and down. You can go from 21 personnel to 11 personnel and you can do all kinds of shifts and changes and all that funk that we like that kind of confuses offenses. Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, I mean, they have that in a couple of guys in the way they use them. Urban Meyer famously always has a lot of those guys. Those are power spread um, philosophies. That's what Tom Herman wants. He calls it a pro spread, but essentially it's just a power spread. Right. So there's so many different aspects of Herb Hands. It's always Herb or Herb. I don't know which <laughs> one. Herb. I've heard both. Herb, heard herb and Herb. So I don't know if he. Yeah, you got to ask him. Is he a Herb or Herb or what he likes to be referred to? But there's so many different aspects of his background that man, they really do fit all of the the needs and kind of a lot of the yeah. voids right now within this Texas offensive coaching culture. Exactly, and that's where like the label when you talk about a co OC with the O line coach. Yeah. At first, when you look at it, you're like oh O line, okay, what is he here? And when you look at like recent stops, it's actually a little worrisome looking at just offensive line production or line yards. But when you're talking about he's being brought in because of his more broader ideologies as a football coach to help with the staff, it makes a lot more sense because like if you break down Penn State last year, everybody knows Bishop Sankey and great rushing numbers and yards. But you look at the offensive line, actually really, really bad when you look at adjusted line yards there at yeah. Penn State, 101st in the nation this past year, despite your standard down rushing is at 6th and explosivity at 22, success rate 30, despite a bottom 20 
offensive line and line yeah. yards all last year. Then you look also at the other main one that stood out to me was adjusted line yards overall and still in the bottom half of the nation. But I really like whenever you play that out there as if this isn't necessarily as most coaching jobs is it isn't what your position coach, it's everything that you bring to the table as a part of the staff to help yeah. make it work. And, you know, sometimes you have to have a couple labels to go along with it. Well, you got two old line coaches now. Yeah. yeah. You got two. Yeah, there you go. That's where the labels are there. Yeah, like, we don't to, even have to worry about the labels. Yeah. It's how you One fit. man's strength exactly. can be another coach's weakness. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah. I, I don't really dig two old line coaches, Rod. That you, you had that at, toward the end of your tenure uh, at Texas, where you had, I think it was. Uh, actually, I think that might have been. I think that might have been was your like senior old, year. Yeah, it was I like old three had, when they brought in Nunez. I think Tim Nunez working with guards. They and brought in Nunez. Yeah. With tackles and it was like ends. yeah, I remember the end of that. But I remember what the beginning of it, and then they end up shifting over. What really happened was Texas had already had the you know they had had the talent on campus because they had a great recruiter as the offensive line coach prior to Nunez coming in. What they needed somebody was that could develop that talent. And that's, I think, why they started making the shift. Like, hey, we got quarter. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they started making the shift. Well, here's why I like the Herb Hand hire, and uh, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> we talked about this a few weeks ago, that Tom Herman is from that Urban Meyer coaching tree. And that's really, you know, we can talk about Greg Davis and some of the other guys Tom Herman's been around, but who Tom Herman is as an offensive mind when you looked at his offense at Houston, a lot of it's from Ohio State, and a lot of it is riffing off of that Urban Meyer pro-spread yep. offense, that power-spread offense. But, Rod, as we talked about, the Urban Meyer tree is one that doesn't have a lot of branches in terms of guys that are readily available to come in with coordinator experience. I mean, really, mm-hmm. you've got Tom Herman, Dan Mullen, and like Ed Warner. Like There aren't that many guys that are tied to that offense. So what Tom Herman had to do is he had to take more of the Mike Gundy approach, which was let me go find somebody that philosophically they line up with exactly who I want to be as a football program, what I want this offense to be. And you go to the Gus Malzahn tree, Herb Hand's available, boom, it's a power spread Mm -hmm. offense, pro spread, whatever you want to call it. But with the RPOs, with a diverse run game, and Rod, that's something that we talked about too, that first drive in the bowl game, those early series in the bowl game against Missouri, we saw a diverse Texas run game that we really hadn't seen all year. You know, schemes where you're creating leverages and leverage and angles and doing different things to create movement up front, uh, where this offensive line was never going to be one, even with Connor Williams, wasn't going to be one where you just lined up and zone blocked the hell out of people and blew people off the ball and mm-hmm. created seams and, and, and just dominated the line of scrimmage. You were going to have to do some different things, and we saw them do that in the bowl game. It was one of the more encouraging things I saw in the bowl game, but that's what Herb Hand is coming to Texas to do. So it's Tom Herman finding somebody – not from that Urban Meyer tree, but somebody that philosophically, okay, I want to be, I want to have a power run game. We've got to have a power run game for this to work. Let me go get somebody that knows exactly how to run the football out of spread offense like yeah, we want I, to. And I agree with you. I, I'm I'm just frustrated with offensive coordinators at the college and the the pro level who are just so kind of stubborn, right? And they just <laughs> they they refuse it's to. A thing in sports, my thing is philosophy should should marry. <laughs> And then create babies, yes. almost. You know what I mean? Like they should, they like you need to marry different philosophies and like, oh, then find common ground, mm. and then boom, there should be you know an offspring from that. A new spread that baby. creates yes, exactly, exactly something something new and something innovative, and you don't see enough coaches doing that. That's why I was excited about that Mark Helfrich hiring. Man, they bring him in, that would be great because you're marrying two different philosophies right. uh, in terms of offense, but you can still marry a lot of those you know those principles together. 
together um, and then kind of have them interwoven within mm-hmm. the fabric of that offense and then create something totally new. And they can always nobody's pivot. really ever seen. You know what I mean? And then you can yeah, you can lean on one philosophy or the other depending on the game plan or have a mix of both. It can be something really really beautiful. Now it also can end up being Frankenstein, where you know what I mean, where it just it turns on you and then ends up becoming mom science. Hey, you got to try, right? You, you know know can't mean? be afraid to um, fail, basically. But I, that's why I really liked. Uh, I mean, everybody talks about. You know, Andy Reid's offense, and they made some changes. You know, Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator there, he's now the head coach of the Bears, and the Bears brought in Mark Helfrich, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Connecting dots here. So what essentially Andy Reid did, he brought in Chris Alt, like, I don't know, like eight years ago, dude, when Jamal Charles was still on there, who was the innovator of the pistol. Brought him on for like four years. Just set, He was just a kind of quality control, a whatever the hell you want to call him, mm-hmm. consultant, whatever. Just sat there, and I guarantee they just talk ball. And they found a way. He found a way to to mesh his ideology and the ideology, excuse me, of Chris Alt in that pistol. And that's why you have Alex Smith, mm-hmm. and that's why they drafted Patrick Mahomes. He's going to continue that, all right, because he just really, really liked that type of philosophy. And I know now we're at a point now with those college that experimental offense in college. You know, the spread and the pistols and the RPOs and package plays and all that kind of stuff, which was seen as, you know, I, they always say that real, all religions start as a cult. Gimmick. You know what I mean? Every religion is a cult initially, you know, whether it's Christianity or whether it's Islam or you're talking about Buddhism, every Mormons, every religion starts as a cult. And then you, know, you give, it a, give it a few hundred years or, you know, 50, 60, 60 years or so, and Scientology doesn't look like a cult anymore. It used to be a cult. And I was like, ah, you know what? I'm getting kind of used to it. And that's how uh, offenses are in, mm-hmm. in football, right? First, it starts off the wild. It's like, man, nobody's doing that. That's kind of weird. That's Man, and now it's got kind of everybody's got a wild card, cat package, all right, from NFL coaches to college coaches. And you the same Greg, thing is true. Greg Davis with the zone read. Yeah, yeah. the zone read, the that spread, the same time offense, whatever, air raid, everything starts that way. And now all of those things are starting to, to uh, filter up mm-hmm. to the NFL level. And that's why they need those guys like Mark Helfrich coming down now and you know those guys who can marry who can marry those type of you know concepts the spread concepts mm-hmm. in college and the pro concepts in the NFL because that's where the divide is that's where the great dis- disconnect is right now in coaching they, those older guys they can't do it they can't they're too stubborn they they weren't they un- they were unwilling like a guy like Andy Reid was to go all right I'm bringing in one of these guys I need to sit there and talk ball and understand what the hell's going on so who's taking over the younger guys yeah the Sean McVay's the the Kyle Shanahan well, Texas and they want coaches, right those, those young right. guys. They want those young guys because, and I think Tom Herman can be one of those guys too. Kind of understands that pro spread. That's where he's trying to get to. My point is, as an offensive coach, you should always be trying to marry your philosophy mm-hmm. with another philosophy, so one you're just attracted to. Just like in real marriage, like you see something like, man, she's fine. I like it. I'm getting on it. Uh, and then you date her for a while, and then you see if you guys can start a courtship and then go on to have kids and offspring. That's what you should have, that same type of philosophy with offenses. And they don't. And if you did, your offense would always stay rejuvenated. It would always stay new. It would always stay fresh. But they get stale and they get old, and teams learn how to defend them. Why? Because they're so damn stubborn. It's got to be my way. I got to stay in this. This uh, I got to stay in in this family tree of offenses because this was where I'm from, and that's wrong. No. It's actually the wrong way to do it. You go look at most great offenses; they end up evolving because they end up the, the offensive mind ends up going. You know what? I got to marry it with that type of offense. I got to do something different. I'll give you a great example. Great example, Matt. I'll let you get to your. Point no, it's all good. I was just going to say, think about the workforce that you're going after. You were just detaching from it. Now you're doing what the kids are doing. You know, the younger got to. exactly. When, and I, he wasn't the guy who invented RPOs, but you think when Dana Holgerson 
got to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And Hogerson was a leech guy in the area. Yeah, he said, you know what? I don't know if this air raid is built to last. Why don't I just add, just start adding, you know, add the tempo element, mm-hmm. tagging plays, and, 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 and different run game packages that, yeah. you know, it's not like Dana Holgerson did anything to like completely reinvent the wheel. He just took something that already exists and said, let's just add kind of my little flavor right. to it. And, and boom, Dana Holgerson all of a sudden has an offense that then everybody tried to copy. Yeah, exactly and the right. whole state of, t- I mean, you point. heard sort of the exaggeration. Totally and I remember it. the first time when Craig Way would talk about it, he's like, really, some of the best coaches in the world are Texas high school football coaches. And hearing that a decade ago, I sort of thought it was hyperbole, but like, to watch it in real time evolve where we start to get the minds like the Brioses oh, or the Malzons, yeah. where you start to hear of these high school coaches sure. coming up. And then you talk about who had to be the ones to introduce it. It had to be a crazy lawyer named Mike Leach that didn't want to practice law after Pepperdine or a guy like Chip yeah. Kelly on the West Coast that nah, he knew Phil Knight got his back and was going to let him do and think creatively with what he wanted to do it's the same thing that these younger coaches had to do at the high school levels and they have been plucked and brought up and like to the point a little bit earlier it's crazier when you talk about how you know the lack of being open-minded at the top end of football where then you had this entire generation and stacking upon generation upon stacking a generation playing this other type and we so slowly seen it infiltrate up but to streamline that process and to be the few that can take advantage and you know we always sat around wondering why did Gary Gilbert not make it or one guy do this or that and like once you can start to dissect going backwards you can look at these things and the learning curve in the same way that we said you know some coaches may not be able to get their principles across to them or is it do they not even want to that's a whole nother level that you had to deal with and now more and more you're just seeing it evolve to where now you can see new minds get that chance. They want to go give this guy a chance and give the young guy a chance to be that next one, something that was a principle that was almost keep us out, keep them out of the good old boys club. We're going to keep our style there. Yeah. No, they, they're trying to stop at the old regime, but they can't. It, the, now when the your dam, workforce is doing the, dam, the other exactly, stuff. The dam is going to break <laughs> it's because all breaking. the quarterbacks and all the players from the college level are coming. They are spread babies. It's That's like our offensive line know. talk last and it week. Would be, it, would be, it would be ridiculously irresponsible of these mm-hmm. coaches not to either start learning the concepts themselves or, as we pointed out, marrying the, them concepts by bringing in younger guys. And that's why the NFL is getting younger. Mm-hmm. It literally is getting younger age by age, even though the coaches and the players and the quarterbacks. Go, you're going to have six six quarterbacks potentially taken in the first round uh, this year. And, you know, probably three or four of those guys are going to be from spread concepts and air raid concepts. And that's going to be the case every year. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll, you'll it's going to change. Like, it's not – I mean, it's not something that they can – um, whether it be the players or whether it be the coordinators, they really can't stop it. Deshaun Watson going to the Texans, right? Bill O'Brien, yeah. pro guy, pro style guy. Tom Brady is my quarterback. Picturettes, big quarterbacks like Oswaller and like mm-hmm. Ryan Mallett. He brings in Deshaun Watson and literally just sitting in a room with Deshaun Watson changed his philosophy on offense. Yes. He started to bring in all these college. They looked like, you know, they looked like Clemson at one it point was. on offense. It was, it was, just, it, it yeah, was just, stacking it, it on top. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll build from here. Yeah. Start where you're he, at and he, go where you're at. Yeah. And he basically said, Hey man, Deshaun basically kind of taught me some of, you know, the plays he was comfortable <laughs> with and the concepts. And we it just sounds like he's now like the drummer yeah. or the bass player to the badass yeah. guitarist. Like, all right, yeah. man, this dude rips it. I'm going to go yeah. off of him. And that's why Jim Harbaugh is such a, 
say, you know, a game changer because Jim Harbaugh is able to do that. He can kind of float back and forth between these pro-style quarterbacks. He's just a quarterback guy. Mm-hmm. He just kind of gets it, you know I mean, quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, you're starting to see the, the the game change at the NFL level. I mean, look, the Eagles are doing the same thing. I mean, they run RPOs like a – Oh, my God. I mean, they're, they're all They'd over the one of the best ones. Akeem Tlaib was so angry like a month ago Frank when Rye. he got pulled yeah, on one. Yeah, I mean, one. It's, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. Rod, when we look at, at kind of this marriage of two different – spread philosophies right mm-hmm. you got tom herman who's his pro spread greg davis gave him his foundation as an offensive guy he's really kind of running urban myers offense just mm-hmm. kind of adding his flair to it and, and now you pair that with the malzahn offense and the differences and we can get into the differences now i don't know how deep you want to get into the discussion but mm-hmm. when you look at the differences uh you know tom herman i think wants to be kind of an inside outside zone just power run run the ball down your throat kind of offense attach that with as he calls it it is a pro style progression passing game they just do everything from the shotgun you bring in the malzahn offense which is now heavy on rpos uh, a lot of different run game concepts we see pin and pulls we see gap schemes we see uh, split zones a lot of different things in that malzahn run game and you add the tempo element to it, which we know, like Malzahn, Bryles, those guys were kind of at the forefront of adding tempo, and and I love the way Malzahn runs tempo because they're not they're not Baylor in the sense they're or Bay, what Baylor was under our Bryles, which is they're going to mash the gas at all times. Yeah. They've got different tempos, and we talked last week about the importance of getting the first first down, and and, yeah. and, and a, lot, a lot of tempo oh, yeah. guys talk about get the first first down. That's what was that. Oh, uh, 68% of the you time get, you score if you get a first down. But yeah. that's that's kind of what Malzahn's all about is, you know, they've got different kind of tempos. they got red tempo, which is your tempo where they want to slow it down, take the air out of the ball. They've got their yellow tempo, which is, okay, we'll kind of just go at an average pace and then green, which means, boom, we're, we're, we're yeah. turning and burn. We're going. We're, we're uh, you know, breakneck pace, what have you. So, Rod, I guess my question to you is how do you see this working? Because I'm interested to see – you're basically taking Tom Herman, the framework of Tom Herman's offense, which is that Urban Meyer offense, and now you're going to add an offense if with Herb Hand bringing in his background from Gus Malzahn that's heavy on RPOs and tempo and a diverse run game. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how this works because, as yeah. you said, when you're marrying two like philosophies, it's not like – you know, Texas in 2014, when you got Joe Wickline coming from the Mike Gundy offense, which was kind of that Holgerson offense, which is just mm-hmm. the air raid, but you, you add in package plays and RPOs and things like that. And we're marrying that with like a traditional pro style offense. Yeah. And, you know, even as Texas players at the time, they're like, well, how would you describe this offense? Oh, uh, I don't really know. Yeah. Nobody knew it. Nobody really knew how to describe it. That isn't yeah. good. If it's say no. your religion or ideology, no, yeah. I don't no, know. Yeah. But oh, now that's, that's going to work. At we'll least, at least, if you ask somebody what's this offense going to look like, they should be able to give you a pretty good idea by the time we get to Maryland on September first of what this thing should look like. Yeah, there's some similarities too, um, as as you pointed out. I mean, there is. I think both of these offenses benefit from having a quarterback with a dual threat ability. Um, and I think what they've been at their best when they have a dual threat quarterback, whether Tom Herman wants to admit that or not, uh, the power running game, even, you know, Tom Herman may call it something else, um, in terms of, you know, how he wants to describe it, but essentially it is, would like to be a power running game. And I think the the power element of the power spread from Gus Malzahn, I think it'll marry up really, I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to align almost perfectly. I really do think it's going because I think you're going to get a lot of. It's got bend. a chance to, yeah. I think you're going to get a lot of bend from Tom Herman's side on this. 
I think he's going to get a lot because I, I, I think he's open. That, that What they were doing wasn't working with Tim Beck and company. Right, and, and, and I think that's – And he's an O-line yeah. expert, so he's going to come in, and they're going to depend a lot on his expertise, evaluation of, hey – who do you like here at the O-line? How do you want to train these guys? You want to cross-train these guys? You want to? How do you want to build this thing with the new run game concepts that you just brought up? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who's best at blocking this type of way or that type of way in this type of scheme? Yeah, and, you know, I forgot where I was going with the earlier point, but you bring up the offensive line, which I've written a lot about the offensive line yeah. lately. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate to an extent that here we go another off season where we're talking about changes on offense and changing offensive line coaches and you know <clears throat> offensive line coach is one of those deals where like the 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 concepts of offensive line play rod I don't know if you'd agree with me on this to me are pretty universal like a zone a zone step is a zone step and a pull step is a pull step and there's not really much you can do to change that but Tying that in with the scheme and teaching techniques and things like that, yeah. all that's that's where your your offensive line coaches vary. And Derek Wareheim's way of teaching was different from Matt Maddox, which was different from Joe Wickline, which was different from Stacey Searles, which was different from Mac McCorder, which is going to be different from Herb Hand. Man. So yeah, that's I don't know how many offensive line coaches that is during this decade. I think <laughs> six that you just got into. If you're, but think about it like this: if you're yeah. Patrick Vahe, you will have gone. Was it would it be Vahe? One, it was like how on his the face. defensive side. If you're Patrick Vahe, in four years, four different offensive line no, coaches. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. That's different. And if you think about the different styles of teaching, now, aside right. from the technique that they're teaching, which is probably all a little bit different. It has Guys are little, different communicators. Yes. You know what I mean? And offensive line coaches are the, the weirdest coach, coaches. <coughs> well, and think if I mean? anybody just hopped in and now Rod's yeah. not here, somebody else is doing the show, and I've never met him before. Yeah. How, I mean, you just got to learn to meet somebody. somebody like, I mean, that's. That's tough. That's just the human element. You know, if you came to play for a guy who was a father figure and I don't want to say a warm, cuddly figure because offensive line coaches aren't warm and cuddly, but a guy <laughs> who's kind of like a surrogate father type. And then all of a sudden that guy's out and then you're playing for a guy who's got a little bit of red ass. Yeah. Like it's it's two totally different worlds. And like you said, Rod, the, the difference with offensive line coaches, that's that's yeah. one position group where yeah. things seem to really it vary can, in terms really of the kind can, of guy man. you get. Yeah, I agree with you on that. They can be I mean my, I remember I remember the offensive line coach I had in high school, Coach Martinez. Oh, the he was one. like an old Vietnam vet, man, he was wild and crazy. The one in Detroit used to smoke black and miles on the field. Like they're they're they're, they're just all they're always been the strange. Isn't that more group, of a product man. of the Detroit I love Lions that. in the mid two thousands though? Huh? That's, Yo, like that, yeah. no, that's like if that, you painted a picture, generation. You painted a picture of mid two thousands Detroit Lions telling me the old line coach smokes black and miles I'm on the field. Literally like smoking black and miles while they're like going through teams. That just shows the generation. That's when we start <laughs> to date ourselves. It's like, yeah, my high school coach was just smoking cigarettes left and right. And then your pro NFL coach was smoking black and miles. Yeah, man. My you know, your typical offensive line coach has like the polo that's about a size too small with like the elastic coaching shorts. Bike. With the skull, the bike shorts with the skull. Can oh in the yeah, back you, you imagine Coach Buzz cut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Uh, but either way, yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, that's that's a big change. So that's another thing too: the chemistry, the continuity. How quickly does it take? To you know, produce that, and, and you're going to have new bodies there because when you look at Texas now, yeah, they're bringing, transfers. You're bringing in Mikey Grandy, who's a junior college transfer. Who Tom Herman said they figure who could be a plug and play guy guard for Jake McMillan. 
And now you're trying to fill tackle depth with graduate transfers. Uh, there's a chance they could. It's looking likely they're going to bring in Calvin Anderson from Rice this weekend for an official visit. They had Casey Tucker from Stanford in on an official visit <clears throat> last weekend. So, I mean, you're, look, you're looking for depth because I think now if you're Herb Hand, your goal should be, okay, how can I bridge the gap between guys that I need to be ready right now, which would be Mikey Grandy or graduate transfers you add, and your veteran guys, your Vahes and your Shacklefords yeah. and, and even you know, Kerstetter's a guy that's got a year of starting experience under his belt. How do you bridge that gap with a guy like Sam Cosme coming off a redshirt year? And if Junior Angelou does go ahead and come to Texas, the three high school guys you're going to bring into the program yeah. so you don't have to rush them. That right, We talked about this ad nauseum, and I keep talking about it, but I can't overstate the importance. That is the cycle Texas has got to break if this offensive line is ever going to get fixed. Is yep. You've got to be able to find a way to start redshirting guys and let guys develop and not rush guys. Right. Offensive line is one of those position groups very similar to quarterback in that if you throw a guy in there before he's ready – you could risk ruining a guy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. right now, not to say that he's ruined, but I'm really worried about Denzel Okafor because even though oh he got it, he has a you know four games of starting experience under his belt, yeah, but not all four of those games were good. And you talk about a guy that got benched during the year and yeah. was kind of in and out of the lineup and, and confidence factor. Man, yeah. I just remember being down on the field for warmups at Iowa State and watching Denzel Okafor and like. Just a lack of confidence, man. It's no disrespect to Denzel, but you can tell, you can read somebody's oh, yeah. body language. No doubt. You know, it looked like the kid that had gotten scalded for stealing a piece of candy from the store yeah. and his parents had him in timeout for a while. Like, just that kind of just downtrodden and down on yourself. Tail between and his legs a little, man. Yeah, yeah. man. Just, it's very, very uh, concerning yeah. to see that look on right. his face. But so. a new coach yeah. can also be a new start, uh, you know, kind of a you know new slate. So you often can get a bump from guys. Very who, true. Who normally, like you said, had been either in the doghouse or maybe they didn't have a good start, didn't have a good year, can always start over. That's always a good thing, too, when you get a new coach. Definitely. Yeah. So how do you think this impacts the running back position? That's the position I wanted to talk about because mm. you know, Keontae Ingram is expected to sign in February. I think he will. I don't think there's anything that's going to be yeah. holding him back. And, Rod, when you think about the running backs that have been successful in the Miles on offense, um, do you see a guy like that in this program right now? Uh, right now, <coughs> without Keontae Ingram or with Keontae? Ingram? Well, so without Keontae Ingram, without Keontae, I, don't, I mean, it. I would say they've had a lot of success with you know getting the best out of running backs mm-hmm. in that system. Right. I mean, even with the offensive lines that Herb Hand has coached, he's had success kind of maximizing running backs who hadn't been, I don't think, stellar talents or anything like special. Some of them have, but not all of them. Um, so I, you know what, I I think that you could get not not. Uh, I I don't think any kind of uh, world, uh, all Big 12 performance out of these running backs. But I think you can get a guy that can give you, uh, I don't know, 700 yards a game right now. Like, mm-hmm. not a game, but in a season. Right. From this group. 700, that's not that. Uh, Big yeah. contributor. 700, yeah, exactly. That's like 60-something yards a game. It's a platoon game. back. Yeah. yeah, That's basically your guy that's going to go, not a, exactly. be a third down yeah, back. But I don't know if you got a 1,000-yard guy. You don't have right a main now. guy. Right now it's yeah. where you're going to have to platoon, use production, maybe use some other yeah. player for motivation I for see the a other. Set, uh, two 500-yard guys, which is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right now, I don't even know if we had a three. Do we have a 300-yard rusher? <laughs> uh, other than Sam Ellinger. 
Mm, like probably not. Maybe probably after a, the bowl game, but maybe at a four hundred. Yeah, we still, probably did after the bowl game. Yeah, maybe. with Young and Carter, you can look it, at those. It, I like it, what I saw. My point is the fact that we have to sit here and discuss whether Texas had a those numbers <laughs> that don't matter, tiny numbers, four hundred yards rushing in a season lets you know the state of the position. Yes, in the running game. So I agree with you. Yeah, uh, Keontae Ingram comes in. There's a chance he could start right away. Like that's how. But I agree with you, Rod. I think this this offense is good for backs because it's not like Auburn has produced, at least no. under Malzahn, has produced a ton of like NFL running backs. backs. Yeah. I think Michael Dyer was probably the best back. Oh yeah, that Malzahn's had at Auburn. That was when Malzahn was the OC when Cam he Newton was a quarterback out. for yeah. Gene Chizik in, in 2010. Wait, wasn't he a, <coughs> was he a freshman then? Yeah, I want to say he was a freshman. He, he was the reason right? that yeah. rollover tackle. He was never yeah. down. You're right. Uh, Danny Young was your leading rusher for the backs with three seventy three. Yeah, right there, there you're you spot on. Seventy three. So he reached out. Yeah. So you got you got talent back there enough for them to one guy to step up. I don't know if he's a thousand yard rusher, but he can rush it for seven hundred yards. You have another guy with four hundred yards, and then you can kind of break it down from there. But you don't have a game changing presence at running back right. right now. You just don't. And I'm not. I'm not saying those guys aren't going to develop into that. But right now, you just don't have that. So let's tie this all together, man. So we got Herb Hand coming in. We don't know what the future is for Derek Wareheim. We don't know if maybe the play caller next year is somebody that's not currently on the staff right now. We don't know. Really? There's still some things that are going there to be determined, I think. Because I don't think the two O line coach thing is going to work. That's just my gut telling me that. I don't think Texas will go into twenty eighteen with two O line coaches. Um yeah, I mean it depends. I just it's I, just a weird setup, man. It just it doesn't. It, does, it doesn't could it just be labels though. They more got two. So. They got two DB coaches. Yeah, but Rod, you know that's in the Big Twelve, especially that's different. It's different it. worlds, man. Corner and safety, it. but yeah, but it still brings up a lot in terms of technique and how you're coaching guys in terms of. Their I think you're overcooking your bacon, really. You know with two I mean? line coaches. Yeah, I mean you could. That's be. just my opinion. But the bottom line is, but maybe they need that. Maybe he's saying for now <coughs> you don't have two. Because it's such a an absolute dumpster fire of a position, Maybe. and we got to rebuild it almost from scratch now. You know what I mean? Well, and it is your foundation. You gonna need two we, man. You need an assistant. Basically, you gonna need you gonna need an assistant. It's gonna be that much of a task for you. Plus, if you're gonna be inputting, you know, your expertise on the offensive game plan and evaluations as a co-offensive coordinator, we still don't know exactly. How what his duties entail as the co right. play caller or whatever. Yeah, you're gonna need a little help coaching that line. So right now, I can understand that just because of the magnitude of the fix at O line, man. You need all hands on deck. Well, and the magnitude of fix on the whole offense. If you just look at the pulse of Texas fans, I mean, right now that's the one tipping point issue. That if it doesn't change next year, then the whole psyche of the fan base is going to change because a lot of the fan base wanted, you know, no Beck wanted change everything, go look, well, what way can we maybe evolve this offense, stay within what we believe because it's obviously Herman at the top and what he does, but also improve that and you have to start at the offensive line. So maybe it's just bringing somebody in to be able to help that transformation. I, yeah. I, I'm not shutting the door on more staff changes on offense because Rod, something you brought up, what I think Noel Mazzone probably would have been is I think you need your 10 back insurance. Definitely I think you need yeah. to bring in a guy initially as an analyst, a quality control guy, that if things go the wrong, then you can make that that's switch what this could be. Yeah. pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. So I I don't know if that's if that's Herb Hand is that insurance. He's, I don't know. If he's, that's, pu- he's definitely part of. He's it. built that's, into I it. I don't I don't know if 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 that's somebody that's still out there. But Matt, to kind of my point, kind of backs up what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think if Tom Herman's got a chance to go out and add somebody that could bring something else to this offense to make it more dynamic or add a new twist to it, mm-hmm. 
I, I think he's going to do that. The bottom line is the point I was going to make earlier. I just remembered it now. Regardless of whatever was said in a press conference setting, yes. Tom Herman was not happy with the offensive product that was put on the field in 2017. I think anybody that thinks that Tom Herman really was <coughs> really was fine with it. And I don't think he was even happy. He we had injuries and whatever. He just wasn't and fired. Yeah, you know, everything. But you get what I'm saying? Like, it, he was, it sounded as if he wasn't happy either. He just also wasn't ready to fire him. No, I, yeah. I, I, he was I think, not happy with it. He was always talking about it, what but, they need to fix. Well, That's being cool. ready to fire somebody, I think uh, th- that to me is a different conversation because I think then you get into aesthetics like, okay, how does it look if we're making wholesale staff changes after year one? Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah. Tom Herman's kind of in between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a problem that needs to be fixed, <laughs> but how do you do that in the middle of a recruiting cycle where you're trying to add more talent and set up your board and set up your prospects for 2019, yeah. how do you fix the problem without making it look like you've got a full-blown crisis on your hands? Yep, That's the delicate balance for, for a guy like Tom Herman right now. But I think he, he it's clear now that he wasn't happy with the offense, with the offensive product this past season. And, you know, he's making the steps. I, I think with the Herb Handhire is a good step in the right direction to change it. So, Rod, let me ask you this. You tie all this together, I think the offense for 2018 until – we see more pieces out along the offensive line with the graduate transfer too, and we get another spring with Sam Ellinger in this offense. I tend to think the 2018 offense still has a a ceiling on it, and, and it's a ceiling that I don't see being all that high. Um, yeah, I mean, right now you can't because you don't know exactly what the ro- what everybody's role is going to be. Um, there still might be an office of identity crisis because now you, like you say, you're trying to, we're trying to marry two, you know, different philosophies on offense and hoping for, you know, a very productive offspring of that. And mm. we don't really know how long that's going to take. So yeah, it could be a process. I, I think that, I think right now everybody's expectations should be measured <laughs> all right <laughs> for the offense you know because we still don't even who's the playmaker on offense like who is the bad who who is the go-to guy on offense i, I it's sam ellinger mm-hmm. yeah right now okay, that's it or, okay, well, no, I thought saying, about like, but it shouldn't necessarily be that we should be able to go oh is this guy could be this guy i think it's going to be this guy we don't really know who that's going to be I, I felt it could have and should have in a lot of ways been colin johnson i think that's a guy i mean he had almost 100 targets but it wasn't enough. I mean, I think you've got to force the ball to that guy. I, I agree with you. I don't mm-hmm. know if they had – well, at times he didn't. He wasn't on the field in the red zone. So And I thought, I thought, LJ, I thought LJ Humphrey needed more touches. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So I'm with you on that too. I agree with that. But then are you going to build your – you know, then, you know, you got to build around the passing <coughs> game a little bit more. And I don't know if he, if, if he wanted to do that with Sam Ellinger. This team was at his best when Sam was able to just kind of freestyle and be the mm-hmm. you know, kind of bam-bam running attack. Of, of the Texas running game. And, you know, you build around the passing game if you want to, but he actually made a lot of mistakes in the passing game. And I don't know if Tom Herman was ready to do that yet with a young quarterback. Maybe it will be different after the spring and after training camp. Yeah, especially in with the line, how the line was the most line of was, the year without Connor Williams. You needed that running game this year. That's why, yeah, I, I, that's why I think there is hope. Now, I, there are also no signs to show it's going to go and grow immediately and real quick. But when you look at the foundation, what was going on last year, there's only room really to grow 
and the players are in situations where you normally grow. Most of them were inexperienced, were young, there's a new staff, there's a lot of learning curve things, yep. and then you had, on top of it, like the injury, your better players not available, and then if you add in that the coaches maybe weren't even putting them in the best position too, then it can be a cocktail that looks bad, but that just shows that if you get satisfactory or just average production from guys that now have made mistakes, have a little bit of experience, may have be maybe have a little bit more confidence, if you can just start on that foundation of average and then build upon it, you really can improve drastically. Not saying that this team will, but it's yeah. just we're in the situation for a team to grow exponentially. I mean, it's like when I saw the national championship odds, I was blown away. Texas, what, to like top six? Like twenty five to one odds yeah, to win I was a championship. By that too. Like, yeah. and it's only because they're looking at the things that I look at whenever you're looking at teams that are down but have a foundation that should be aligned for growth. So that's where Texas is at right now, especially when they've outbeat Vegas. They were nine and four against Vegas, only two Power Five teams better. Man, I want to get into some of these analytics, and you know, we spent the last couple of podcasts talking a lot about the defense. So I think it's cool if we devote kind of the bulk of this podcast to the offense. Mm-hmm. When I look at the analytics. And uh, I'm using Football Study Hall, which I think Bill Conley does a phenomenal job of breaking yeah. down the analytics. And it's easiest for people to just Google, click, go. Right. When you look at the rushing for Texas in 2017, poor across the board. Yes. Rushing S&P Plus 85th nationally. And these are all national rankings. Rushing success rate 95th. Rushing ISO PPP 122nd. That's explosivity. <coughs> Excuse me. Adjusted line yards 90th. Opportunity rate 97th. Power success rate 85th. Stuff rate, 60th. Right about average. They're right at the national average and stuff rate. Yeah. And which means the one thing you did, aver- at least at an average level, was... Fall short. forward. Yeah, basically, yes. <laughs> That's like really what, what, what Sam forward. Ellinger did. It was like, he, we didn't have negative yards if we got zero. He's stuff rate good just, at falling forward. <laughs> yes, yes, that's about it. But, man, I want to get into this, and I want you to break this down for me. Yo. Because I think this goes back to, Rod, what we opened talking about, which was kind of the philosophical miss, if you will, between Tim Beck and Tom Herman. Because Tim Beck... Yeah, knock on him again was, hey, you know, talk to people in Nebraska and Ohio State. If he had his druthers, he would throw the football all the time. And there were times where we saw that. That's kind of what the offense defaulted to. Yeah. So, Matt, when I'm looking at this, the Texas offensive footprint, I'm looking at standard downs run rate, which is standard downs should be down a distance where it conducive to having the whole playbook open. Mm-hmm. Texas ranked 95th in standard down run rate. And that's whenever you're basically on schedule, not in a longer passing down situation. So, could Tom Herman have looked at this, and I'm just looking at the analytics now and I'm spitballing. Could Tom Herman have looked at some of this data and said, you know what? It's not that we were really bad at running the football. We just didn't do it enough. Hence Rod's 40 per. Yeah, they're undefeated still. (laughs) Still undefeated. Still undefeated. Never lost. (laughs) They win every game. They never. They're 6-0 when they run the ball these 40 times. No, and I mean, it's sort of, and quantity really does mean so much more in football these days. And, I mean, we talked about last week on the podcast when we talked about the Charlie era and how you could outperform per play. But if you aren't getting the amount of plays, then think what adds on to that. That means the defense is on the field. 
they're wearing down. Yep. Well, the offense is resting. They aren't getting injured. There's less variance. You're shortening the sample size. All these different things are tied in to those different stats. And, I mean, you can go the other way when you're looking at passing downs and see what they do. And right there was that average. So it looks as if whenever you're in that standard down situation, you weren't running whenever most coaches would mm-hmm. say this is a situation in which you run to stay on schedule. Now, also, you get, doesn't factor in game situations. So teams playing from behind are going to have these numbers be distorted because if you're always throwing, say you're down 14 in a standard down situation, it's different than being down 28 in a standard down situation. So the context to these standard downs aren't always there because if you're down, you may start throwing. So you can find ways to deceive these numbers, but that's a pretty big disparity that only shows that Texas, yeah, probably threw a little bit more than they should have. But I think there, to to your point there, there were a lot of games where Texas wasn't down by two or three touchdowns. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying the context to this. So sometimes these numbers will tell you one thing, and then you have to pour into them and make sure. And you're right. right. Texas is in close games. Even better situations to be running the ball than throwing. So if anything, you would think these numbers would maybe be slightly above the national average that we're running more Hmm. so. But Texas's offensive line was down, so then that can maybe explain some of the reasons too. What does that but number say really to you, though, Matt? The fifty-four percent. Oh, that's standard a huge difference. If you look at a standard deviation when the national average is at sixty, you would say fifty-eight to fifty-eight percent would be a disparity. Being six percent down, a full ten percent deviation down—that is a large amount. That's yeah. not that's not a number that you want to see. So that means on standard downs, you're not running the ball near as much as you probably should. Not even the average team does and then nowadays it also more of a pass happy football so that's not even a good sign so again kind of the bottom line at rod what we were talking about with herb hand mm. could this just be tom herman like look if tim beck doesn't want to run the football in those situations i got a guy who base, loves to run the football i gotta get somebody who will or it could be the yin and the yang you got a guy you know what i mean like they always say opposites attract mm-hmm. right my my woman is everything that i'm not in every way you know what i mean she's responsible she is you know what i mean she's organized like i'm the opposite of her in so many different ways but it it, it works like a puzzle we we fit together and maybe tom herman's this, this is where i'm going okay i got a guy whose natural tendency when the fit hits the shan it's just to start throwing the ball because he kind of freaks out okay let me put some balance in there it's almost like you have a dog that freaks out so you go get another dog you know what I mean <laughs> and you get a dog that can kind of mellow that dog out a little bit I think that's what he's doing he's getting something to kind of mellow Tim Beck out this is you know his version of getting you know another dog in the family because Tim Beck you know he freaks out when you guys leave home and he tears up the furniture you know what I mean it's like yeah. all right we got to give him another dog in here so when we leave he'll just play with the other dog you won't start tearing up the furniture or eating right. the shoes I think this could, so I'm not saying that it's not what you said um, this but I think it could be the other it could be you know I'm look at the glass half kind of full thing. I think it's more what you said, though. <laughs> I think it's him saying, hey, let's run the damn ball. And as right. I look at yeah. these numbers, it's like it makes sense that we talked that much more about the defense last week because there's actually some awesome stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, Texas is the best team in the nation on third down last year defensively. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they're eighth in yeah. the nation. Third or down ninth. S&P plus, it's number one. nuts to see that. And then look at the offense, 113th. Yeah. Yeah, both ends yeah. of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> in offensive conference. I mean, that just shows that if you can get something out of your offense, how good this Texas team could end up being. So, to kind of close it out this week, I want to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, Shane Bouchelle's having surgery to repair a torn abductor muscle. Um, 
You guys, of, you guys, well versed enough to know what the torn abductor means? Uh, uh, the not really, actually. Ab, ab, opening yeah. and closing. So his groin. The only time I've heard of the abductor muscle. No, because in the NBA right now, a lot of abductor Anthony Davis has been having issues with his. And, and nice. Mm-hmm. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like the muscle that attaches like your lower abs, like to your pelvic. Yeah, bone. it's basically your groin yeah. area. Um, the only other time I've like heard of that. Like the upper groin, though, above. <coughs> bo- hello, hello. Add in yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Above, like, not growing, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. below growing, junk yeah. groin. Yeah. yeah. But it's above junk groin. Right. Yeah, it's like lift like in the upper, yes, the the upper junk. Yeah. Elvis, yeah. Above the junk. Okay. I just want to make sure we're talking the, about The only other time I've heard about this <laughs> muscle, no joke, this is the only other time I've heard about it. Um, the Rock tore his off the bone in his match with John Cena at WrestleMania 20. What? He yeah. tore his off the bone? Early in the match, he tore it off the bone, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm Google glad you told me. Abductor, I a person who abducts another person. He tore it off the bone? Off the bone, Rodney. How do you tell your abductor off the bone? That's I like when know. you straight Google. muscle. That's, that, that's, that, that, that just gave me chills. It was like whenever Bo Jackson ripped his own hip out of its socket and then told the doctor he put it back in on the film. The doctor said that's impossible, and he actually did it. Who did that? Torn. Bo Jackson. Wow. On his hip So injury. Bouchelles is officially a torn abductor. Slash no. abdominal yes. muscle. Yes. Anyway, Shane Bouchelle will not be ready to rock and roll until Texas starts spring ball, which is March 5th. We've got a start date for spring ball. Um, he's going to be in the rehab process, so that means Ross Sam Ellinger is going to be leading most of these workouts. Uh, well, the, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, you talk about the, <laughs> Matt is showing me the abductor muscle right there <laughs> uh, on, the, on, got it. <laughs> on the computer screen. But it, I think, obviously, it's uh, disadvantageous um, uh, for Shane Bouchelle because, you know, not like Sam Ellinger needed any more, like, uh, reason or any more opportunity to try to win over the team to make it his team. Right. But. You know, this He's is got just it now. yeah, exactly. You got the whole off season now to kind of win that locker room, and they become more Sam Mellinger guys. And not that it'll matter in like the actual competition, but it will because Sam gets more chemistry with the wide receivers and more time and all that kind of stuff. But for the coaches, I'm sure he's still going to you know give them an even um, like kind of an even start to the competition, even though we all know right Sam Mellinger is probably more the future than when, is. when we talk about. Tom Herman is a play caller, and I know that's. I don't think Tom Herman's going to be the quote unquote play caller by himself because, for to me, it's, no. it's for this reason. When you, no. you know, it's the same argument I made when Charlie Strong took over the defense. Okay, if you want to do that, that's fine, but if it doesn't work out, what are you going to do? Fire yourself? Yep. Yeah. He's like, not there's no. There's no. nobody. Nobody left to blame. That's yeah. just the way this thing works. He's not going to do that. Um, but uh, when I look at this situation, Rod. I think while people are hung up on Tom Herman, the play caller, I think Tom Herman, the quarterback developer, is just as important, if not more so, for Texas right now than anything else. Because I'll go back to what I said about the offensive line. Until you get that position right and you figure out who you want to build your offense around and the direction you want to go and who the guy is, we can talk about scheme and everything else we want. If you don't have that position figured out, you're just going to kind of keep floating along. No, I agree. And that's that's why I think everybody's excited about the 2018 class. It does show you what the vision uh, Tom Herman may have for the quarterback position. He brought in two of them. So at least for a long time, for the first time in a long time, you'll have bodies, scholarship quarterbacks Four scholarship guys in that room. In the room you know what I mean? And two veterans, hopefully. I mean, it looks like Shane is, you know, no plans for him to transfer, anything like that nope. that we have heard about. So 
you know, you can get a potentially a chance to redshirt two of those guys. You talked about breaking that cycle you have on the offensive line. You got one of those cycles happening at quarterback too. You can break that by redshirting two guys, building depth and developing there. And that goes back to him being a quarterback guru. He always wants to be developing quarterbacks. Right. That's just kind of his little side project for the for the program. He always wants to have his fingers on developing the next great quarterback. Just like the O line room, that quarterback room, you've got to be able. And yep. But quarterback's harder though because. You can only play one of those guys at a time. And the nature of the beast is that guys are going to transfer and go try to seek an opportunity elsewhere. Which is why you got to keep stockpiling. You can't even, you know, you get it. And it sucks because you bring in more quarterbacks and other quarterbacks get insecure and they may want to leave. And you can't really even take that into account because you can't be left SOL with no quarterbacks in the room like Texas has been before. You know, recently. Look, look at that. look at the two championship game participants as perfect examples. Look at that, I mean, look at that. people are like, well, who's who's going to start a quarterback for Alabama? You think Nick Saban cares? Yeah, he's either going to have a guy that's won in twenty five games, <laughs> or the other or the guy coming off is a five star year, guy right that back won here. in the championship game. <laughs> ready to go? You know, you know Georgia too though. Kirby Smart loses he loses Jacob he loses yeah. Jacob Eason to transfer. Boom. Jake Fromm. Here comes Justin Fields. Yeah, the backup Jake Fromm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm with you, man. Like you got to keep stockpiling. You can't worry about that. Bring him in. They get mad. They want to leave. Sorry, man. You can leave. Right. That was the beauty of the position during your time on the 40, man. I mean, it started with Major Applewhite. You bring in Chris Sims. Chance Mock was a parade All-American. So was Matt Nordgren and then Vince Young. Hey, man. Keep them coming. You know what I mean? You'll sort it out later. Oh, Matt Norgan can't play. Oh, we didn't know. We just figured that out. Took us about a year. Okay, this guy got hurt. All yeah, right. Total uh, VY's better than Chance. All right. Sorry, Chance. You're great. This guy is greater. You know what I mean? Like, you you need those options to and figure then you it stop out. recruiting quarterbacks or, for Hell, some guys just get hurt. You know what I mean? Like Ohio State, when they had to go to a third string quarterback, who's also an NFL quarterback, to try to win the game for them. Yeah, and the other guys who change position still end up going to the NFL as wide receivers. It happens, so you need to you need to take that into account when you're recruiting quarterbacks. And while we're on transfers, I just saw this whenever I was on Twitter this morning, but the, how the NCAA was talking about changing the NCAA basketball transfer rules potentially to have yeah, no sit out years. That. Is there anything like that, Jeff? In football, I haven't even heard of anything similar. I think I read the, the something the other day that year. all all transfer talk for football have been tabled until next okay. year. So they may do these separate. That would yeah. be very... Oh, yeah, basketball and not football? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, everything such, I've always seen was so basketball big. next year that's doing such. the no sit-out transfer stuff. That's some That's some. It's BS, weird. Man. I just was... Yeah. I that, that really is shady if they do that. Yeah. But they're shady, so... Yep. They're just trying to keep it... Huh? It's the NCAA, Rob. Would you expect... I know, but that's just so shady, though. Yeah, but it makes sense. Okay. Um... So before we get out of here, Matt, do you have an update on where we finished in our pick'em rankings? I know that we beat you, and thanks that, for rubbing that. <laughs> well, I know that we you, beat because you, you sent me the update. Uh, whenever all. you know, you kept the tabulations and had them all together. Rod and I had tied going into that's the all. for the bowl game, so I guess I won by one game, but I didn't tabulate like I was thirty nine and twenty, so like the okay. exact numbers. But, yeah, you got within, like, three games of us. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And don't you guys go pick, like, Steiner Ranch or somewhere like that. No disrespect to Steiner Ranch. <laughs> just I got a baby coming. I'm on a budget right now. Hey, Matt, I feel um, you on, I went on a budget. What we'll do, we'll Matt tabulate the results. We'll have them next week. And uh, as the loser, once I get my final record, wherever you guys want to go get dinner before my baby gets here and I take some time off, dinner's on me. So. All right. And balling. I like it. I'm Rod there, and I are to please. We ain't going like the VYs. No, no. we can get some beer and some oh, yeah. wings or barbecue or something. Yeah, we can go, go, like, go, exactly. Valentina's. 
We it's like go, yeah. halfway between our place and his place in Beautiful. Oh, that is true. And they can just get tacos. Yeah. So it's good. Don't want to go, go to Valentina's. You want to go to Gus's or whatever? No. Sure. I'm down with that, too. I'm down here. Yeah. Black man ain't going to turn down no fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. So Maybe. we'll figure, I'll we'll let Maybe. you guys figure that out, and uh, we'll get that next week. Nice. But that is going to conclude another it, edition of The Blitz. Matt, appreciate everything, man. Hey, you are more than welcome. Rod B., thanks for the time and the knowledge. All the time, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best-damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 1049 The Horn, hornfm.com, The Horn app, AM 1260, where you can hear Rod each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rodcast. Boom. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.